This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy and Managing Editor of Environment and Climate News. It's annual meeting time for most corporations, and among things that happen there is stockholders get to weigh in. Increasingly, climate activists are buying a few shares of stocking companies and, via proxy statement shareholder proposals, asking them to go net zero. That means reducing their carbon dioxide emissions from their operations to zero, in part by ending their use of fossil fuel. Such proposals have been offered at various corporations' annual meetings for more than a decade, or similar proposals. Usually, they, go, they get roundly defeated. However, in recent years, encouraged by elite corporate heads and investor funds, some have won. Among the wokest of the global corporate elite are the heads of big banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Bank of America. The, they, they already push green energy schemes and ESG credit scoring. So it's no surprise that activist shareholders and allies at the tops of these banks are offering shareholders proposals for the banks to cease doing business with companies in the fossil fuel industry. Among the few champions for sound economics and consumer freedom fighting back against these proposals is Paul Chesser and his colleagues at the National Legal and Policy Center. He's been kind enough to join us today to discuss the NLPC's efforts to have banks reject net zero policies and fossil fuel divestment. Paul, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you, Sterling. So, Paul, before we jump into the current net zero banking fossil fuel proxy war, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you came to work at the National Legal and Policy Center, and what the NLPC is or stands for. Okay, well, NLPC stands for National Legal and Policy Center. We've been around for about 30 years. Uh, We are a government and public integrity group. That's probably a little bit more what we're better known for uh, as far as uh, holding public officials accountable. More recently, maybe a couple of things that your listeners would be familiar with are the the whole Penn-Biden scandal where they've discovered documents that – classified documents that, that President or uh, Vice President Biden brought with him when he left the, the Obama administration. We, uh, we, a couple of years ago, we called for an investigation of the Penn Biden Center. So we were kind of first ones calling attention to that. Um, and we also exposed the, the spending of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation's money on big mansions in wealthy white neighborhoods, yet they claim to be Marxists and, and so forth. So those are the more the government and public integrity things that we, we've uh, we focused on or called attention to. With my, my side of the organization, we are uh, Corporate Integrity Watchdogs. I'm the director of the Corporate Integrity Project. And, you know, we've done uh, – corporate shareholder activism for a long time, probably a couple decades, but not to the degree we started doing last year. Uh, I've been affiliated with NLPC for uh, about 10 or 11 years, just mostly writing on corporate activities, kind of just kind of scrutinizing a lot of what big tech was doing um, for NLPC, writing op-eds, blogging, 
Um, but about uh, all two years ago now, uh, our chairman, Peter Flaherty, said we need to expand this project. There's just so much focus on ESG, uh, how the left has just basically co-opted uh, corporate America. Uh, the, the, you know, it's pretty amazing uh, how 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 much uh, they're in the pocket of, of, of the progressive agenda. And uh, so and there has been really, you know, the left has controlled these annual corporate shareholder meetings uh, with regard to shareholder proposals and wielding influence and engaging companies and, and conservatives other than uh, our friends at the National Center for Public Policy Research uh, have not have been absent. Conservatives have not shown up, and so uh, you know there was this great void that needed to be filled. And so we showed up last year with about two dozen shareholder proposals at major companies, and we're back again with a similar number this year uh, with shareholder proposals. But we do a lot more than just shareholder proposals. Where there's a lot of other things we do to uh, scrutinize and hold corporate America accountable with regard to. Uh, their political, inappropriate political activity and ignoring their fiduciary responsibilities. So are you, a, it's a national legal and policy center. Are you a lawyer by training? What's your, uh, you know, what, 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 what did you come out of college with degree in? Uh, well, there's no degree on my, on my, my wall. Uh, <laughs> I'm more, I came out of more of the journalism background. Uh, okay. I started in, in uh, conservative uh, free market journalism with the John Locke Foundation, which is a conservative think tank back, back uh, in uh, North Carolina. I'm based in Charlotte. Okay. Uh, and actually, I was with associated with Heartland for a couple of years working on energy and environment issues, um, you know, on contract for, you know, around 2010, 2011. And just... Yeah, and shift, you know, shifted back and forth between focusing on national energy and environment issues, and then uh, you know had a, a local a state-based news aggregator called Carolina Plothound for about four or five years in the mid uh, 2010s, uh, and then moved on from that, and uh, and now I'm here full time uh, with NLPC, uh, battling the whole ESG uh, wave. So, so that's kind of been the progression. There you go. So, um, talk a bit about the big banks. They're, they're, the, the, these proxy battles they're facing. It seems to me, and this could just be my uh, my uh, misperception. I don't know, but it seems to me that their boards are surreptitiously, or maybe even not so subtly, actively encouraging net zero proposals. Uh, someone like Jamie Damone is coming out and saying, "We got to get green energy built everywhere. We might have to take some private property to do so." So why are such proposals bad for average people, the economy, and in truth, I think, even the banks themselves? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, basically, they're, uh, I, I know you spend a lot, probably most, if not all, of your time on, on the climate issue and, and what it's done for energy. It's, it's just basically shifting uh, useful income and, or useful revenue from uh, productive and efficient energy sources like, you know, fossil fuels, oil, natural gas, uh, to uh, inefficient ones like wind and solar, so-called renewables uh, that are not, you know, necessarily renewable. And, you know, I'm sure you cover all those kinds of details with, with other guests. But, oh, yeah. uh, but the attraction for the big banks and basically for any business entity uh you know, I, my previous employer, who's a very conservative guy, 
he owned a, you know, among the many businesses he owned, I managed a, a news website for him, but he had a parking garage in his, uh, near his hometown that he just put solar panels on and he, he admitted, I'm doing this to get the, the tax credits. And that's really what it's about is the tax credits, the tax benefits and the federal, federal and state incentives that, that are just, you know, massive amounts of cash flowing to these things. And, and they're, you know, they're traded and, you know, I, I can't, I'm not the right person to, to, to explain all the details of this. But, uh, you know, these these are the kinds of things where credits are, are changed and sold to one another. You see companies, big insurance companies like MetLife, you know, investing in these things because they reap the benefit of the tax credits. There's uh, there's uh, accelerate there's uh, accelerated uh, depreciation you can t- take advantage of. Companies can take advantage of. So there's just all kinds of money flowing back and forth. And, and the revenue, majority of the revenue is generated because of those tax credits and tax benefits. It's not from the energy that's generated itself. So of course, these uh, big financial institutions like JP Morgan Chase, where uh, Jamie Dimon is, uh, is the chairman and CEO and, and Bank of America, where Brian Moynihan is chairman and CEO, who are, are big ESG enthusiasts, they, they want more of this kind of thing because they stand to benefit financially. They can they can reap more deals and and uh, and and gain the benefit from it. So you know it's even, not an altruistic thing. Go ahead. Even as their customers though suffer from higher energy costs and higher costs from everything else because energy uh, trickles into you know food, very energy intensive. Manufacturing right. very energy intensive. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, even nonprofit things like hospitals, very energy intensive, right. 24 hours a day, exactly. electricity with all the machinery and the refrigeration and, and all the stuff they got going. It, that takes a lot of energy. You raise their energy cost, you're costing average people, uh, the elites. You know, look, it, it might be uh, the, the, the rise in the energy bill, uh, Demon might not notice it all when he uh, pays his bill, or I should say probably when his accountant pays his bills. Uh, but right. uh, for average people, when their bills go up like that, it's it's real noticeable. They're talking about making trade-offs between uh, mortgage payments and fuel or rent and fuel. Um, well, well, people like him are incentivized by, you know, the, you know, how, how profitable the company is in a given year. And, the, you know, the better the company does, the better he does. He's not really paying attention to the little guy, presumably. I'm just not but, sure. But, you know, though. we're also, we're, Go ahead. No, you go ahead. We're 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 seeing it in our electric bills. We're seeing it at the gas pumps. We're we're seeing the consequences, you know, and and with the Biden administration, uh, you know, shutting down pipeline permitting and and uh, you know, there's <laughs> the new term I'm I'm starting to see a lot of is permitting reform and and you know the the uh, the left and the environmental greens, uh, you know, they love the permitting process before because they could just put put uh you know they can put bring stuff to a halt as far as the you know fossil fuel development and drilling and so forth but now that it's inhibiting uh the development of wind and and solar uh you know they talk about permitting reform and so now i think there's just going to be a big battleground over whatever the permitting reform is going to be and you know we've even talked when i've had engagements with general motors about our shareholder proposal uh and asked them about uh you know, how are you going to 
<laughs> how are you going to do the mining you need to do to produce the metals for your all the batteries you want to put into your your EVs to reach your goals? Uh, they say, yeah, well, we are going to need some permitting reform, but uh, you know the Biden administration is not allowing a whole lot of new mines to be uh, established in the United States. So therefore, we have to depend on China for well, that. Say, the truth of that is, so, is we're not going to get permitting reform. What we're going to do is more depend energy dependence on China. But uh, exactly. But my thought is, and you know, um, the government is such so in bed with these banks nowadays. I mean, ever since the shakeout. Uh, more than a decade ago when so many uh, when the government intervened many big banks or investment houses failed and they were gobbled up you know it was talking they talked about me being too big to fail we can't allow these things to fail and so but but then the the reform was supposed to be so we don't allow this kind of uh aggregation of power and money so so that in the future if if a bank made bad mistakes they fail <laughs> sorry right. you made decisions uh, you're going out of business like other companies in the market do. Uh, maybe these companies like, uh, you know, JP Morgan Chase, they're just so in bed with government. They're once again, too big to fail. You look at it with the, with the bank in California, the, uh, the what is it, the SVP bank or uh, SVP, yeah. S SVP and, and, and Credit Suisse, huge bank gets in trouble. Well, the government negotiates a deal with a bigger bank and, and, and buys them up. So you get more power, more too big to fail. So even if these policies are ultimately bad for the banks, because I think if your economy crashes, if people can't feed themselves or put roofs over their heads, I think that can't be good for banks in the long run. Certainly not in a competitive market. Uh, but if the government is going to bail the bank out, they don't bail the people out, but if they're going to bail the bank out and their leaders out every time, I guess maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're they're not willing to let a bank like SVB fail, which was very, you know, attentive and engaged on ESG issues and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and every kind of woke cause that you can imagine, yeah. uh, and not paying attention to the to the degree of risk they were taking on, uh, you know, if they're not going to let that bank fail, you know, you know, they're not going to let the the big six or the big four or whatever you want to call them. Uh, to fail either so they it basically gives people like brian brian moynihan and jamie diamond uh you know the latitude and they feel like they have the freedom to to do what they want so yeah. you know that's kind of what we're, our organization is trying to do is to kind of rein that in you know we're showing the you know the banks were the the banks banks we're dealing with are uh, you know this this proxy season are Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan. We had proposals before all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, not all of them were able to get through the SEC process, but but we were able to go and what you know while we didn't have our own proposals, we were able you know there's this process. It's kind of uh, arcane. I, I won't bother, go into the details for your listeners, but. Uh, if you if you own shares, you, I think if you even own one share of a company, you can show up and you can put this filing through the SEC and and basically gain access to all the shareholders uh, of a company and say, hey, we recommend you vote against these proposals that are being brought by the left. And Bank of America, Citigroup, and uh, I'm sorry, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Wells Fargo each have three pro net zero proposals on their proxy statement 
um, that's the degree that, you know, these leftist groups and hedge funds and so forth are showing up at these companies. Citigroup has one themselves. JP Morgan, I think, has three as well a little bit later in May. And so we've written, you know, National Legal and Policy Center, we've written these reports and we've submitted them to the SEC saying, recommending to our fellow shareholders, we're, you know, it's a very flimsy foundation that these groups pr present these pro net zero uh, proposals. They cite the UN IPCC and, and, you know, the scientific consensus, which I'm sure you've talked about a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these flimsy authority, you know, so-called authorities and the, and the, the um, weak science that they cite and they're, they're bringing back the hockey stick. We, we kind of debunk a lot of that stuff uh, in our uh, pleas to our fellow shareholders to oppose those proposals. And that's just the kind of thing that the left, they have shown up um, at companies uh, with their proposals, these pro kinds of things like these net zero proposals. They, they're the only voice. So that's all that these, these boards of directors and corporate uh, uh, CEOs here they you know that's the squeaky wheel so what is so your just say well let me get i'm sorry go ahead well get you know get a little bit into the weeds on the details of what you your proposals or what your statements are asking shareholders to do what what kinds of things are they are you asking them to reject Well, we're asking them to reject uh, their proposals. Like, no, I know. Uh, give an you know, example one, of a one, one of the one of the, okay. So one of the proposals, like at Bank of, they're they're all similar to uh, at all three companies. Uh, one of them asks for a report that discloses your 2030 absolute greenhouse gas emissions reduction targets for the company. That's what they're asking. You know, this is the. By the way, this is another issue. This is the New York State Common Retirement Fund that's bringing this proposal. So this is a blue state controlled by a, a leftist controller yeah. using taxpayer money or public government uh, retirement money to push a leftist agenda that, that's presenting this proposal at Bank of America. So what if uh, what if what if they're what? asking? They're, what if they accepted the proposal and they just said, "Okay, we'll report on it. We just don't have any goals to cut emissions." So, so there's well, there's they don't a, do that. There's See, our report. That's that's the thing. <laughs> what the, the left has been showing up, Sterling, for the probably the last couple of decades with these proposals. As long as the uh, you know out ever since uh, James Hansen did his uh, testimony in Congress and Al Gore released. An inconvenient truth, you know, the, these leftist groups have been showing up year after year after year at these corporate shareholder meetings demanding things like, you know, how are you re reducing your greenhouse em emissions? There's another one from a group called As You Saw, a very far left uh, group um, that says, we require Bank of America issue a report disclosing a transition plan that describes how it intends to align its financing activities with its 2030 sectoral greenhouse gas emissions reduction targets. Another one is another leftist asset management fund. We require the board of directors adopt a policy for time-bound phase-out of Bank of America's lending and underwriting to projects and companies that engage in new fossil fuel exploration and development. So they're trying to force them into disclosing what they're, 
you know, how they're aligning their financing activities with their greenhouse gas emissions targets, and they're trying to force them into stop funding fossil fuel projects. And of course, uh, you know, those are kind of the, the, the core, the core targets for these groups. And they're, and if you go and look at, you know, Exxon's proxy and Chevron's proxy just came out today. Uh, you know, you take the one, these proposals that the banks will just double the number of these types of proposals uh, at those, uh, at those uh, fossil fuel uh, development companies. Yeah. And of course uh, now that, with BlackRock's help, they got some radical environmentalists on the board. Uh, they're, they're doing some of this stuff. Um, right. And, and of course, and that's it, another it all problem. is bad. You know, in the end, um, it's all bad for the actual shareholders, right? They, 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 it harms it harms their because shareholders, investors are not just investors and shareholders. They're people that pay bills. And when you're talking about huge you know, public pension funds like the New York Fund, what they found is when you go with these ESG um, goals, it reduces the return to investment. Most public pension funds are woefully underfunded already when you consider right. their obligations. This is just making it worse for them. So they'll have to go to taxpayers to bail them out. It's, uh, right. it's already helping with some pension funds. Uh, it's likely to get worse the more they adopt net zero goals. Don't you? Don't you agree? Well, yeah, I mean it's just it's just gonna you're you're taking you're forcing a company like Exxon who's built on you know oil and gas exploration and you're just driving them into you know non profitable non feasible activities. I've seen you know I get Google alerts on all these companies that we own and with Exxon you've got. Uh, chairman and CEO Darren Woods coming out and saying, well, we think that uh, carbon dioxide, uh, carbon capture and uh, and uh, what are they, what is it called? Carbon capture and what? Um, storage. Carbon anyway, capture where you, storage. Where you pump it, yeah, where, okay. when you pump it underground. Yeah. Uh, is is going to be immensely profitable. And, you know, he's basically just paying lip service to the left to, to kind of keep them at arm's length. But you know, there's there's been no evidence to show that there's profitability in 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 that practice. But you know, he's kind of got to keep them at bay. He's he's got a very divided board at Exxon. You know, between you know what the the left has accomplished in getting people on his board, and those allied with you know who 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 want to see the company be profitable. And the company's doing fine. And Darren Woods last year made you know thirty five, thirty six million or bill, you know million dollars in, in salary. So, so he's fine, but he's he's kind of keeping the wolves at bay there, and and uh, and they 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 keep coming year after year. So yeah. you know we we need a lot more uh, uh, conservative activists uh, coming alongside us. You know, like the Heartland Institute, like. Uh, like Strive Asset Management, we need a lot more voices on our side to counter the left because if, if, if there's not more than, than, than just a couple of us, uh, you know, they're going to continue to listen. to. And, and also, like you mentioned a, a minute ago, BlackRock, we've got these large institutional investors like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, Fidelity. And they're pushing ESG. That's their their uh, their agenda is is to to push that. And uh, so, you know, and they're, they're not representative of who's, you know, the people whose uh, 
you know, ownership, the stocks that own their these companies, they're they're representing their own interests. They're not representing the people that they uh, or who are investing through their houses, right. their uh, investment houses. So, so uh, you know, that's why we're, we're also pushing for for these uh, investment firms to democratize the voting process because you know otherwise they really skew the the voting results and the intent of of shareholders well we we're pushing for them not to democratize we're pushing for them to get out of it that that, that they should just be passive investors which is what they used to be you figure out what company well, looks yeah. like it's going to be good and you invest in that because you think it's going to make a profit but you keep your mouth shut and let management do its job uh, BlackRock is not an electric company. BlackRock is not a car company, and it doesn't know the insides and outsides of that industry. It invests yeah. because it's intended to make money for the stocks in its portfolio. So I don't want them voting, proxy voting at all. Yeah, I, I understand and I agree. You know, in the, you know, there has to be a technology or or a process where they can pass through the will of the shareholders, the individual shareholders to, uh, well, you, you make it the, the case companies. That... And, it, and if, and if they don't, if the, the, the shareholders don't vote, then BlackRock doesn't get to vote in, in place of them. You yeah, know? that's right. Just, that's right. It's just counted as a non-vote. That's exactly right. You, 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 and, and there is a way, what you do is you make it a, a positive uh, that shareholders each, you have to have a majority of all shareholders, not, not proxies, but all shareholders voting in the affirmative for any proposal like that. Right. right. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're going to close shortly. So I want to get to a couple of last questions. What are you, what do you think the chances one or more of these proposals will be adopted by one or more of the major banks? And um, in closing, I'd like to ask you, what's the most important single point you'd take our listeners to take away from our discussion today of the dangers posed by activist shareholder resolutions encouraging banks to adopt net zero goals? Well, we've already seen and are seeing the consequences of, of the dangers of these things. And you now you asked what the chances are that any of these net zero proposals will be adopted. Basically, the the maybe the individual pro the proposals won't pass and most of them don't but that doesn't almost almost doesn't matter because the companies themselves have embraced net zero policies and they embrace these targets and they uh they they you know almost it doesn't matter what happens with the proposals and what 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 has has come out of it was you know these these company these left leaning Act, shareholder activists, they've shown up year after year after year, brought hundreds, if not thousands of proposals over, you know, a couple decades, maybe. They don't win. Individually, these proposals don't win, but that doesn't matter. They're showing up. Conservatives or, you know, even moderate shareholders who don't want their, their holdings politicized or their investment politicized they're they're not their voice isn't there so the left has has been able to shift the battlefield and and that's where they're where we find it it's a, a battlefield that's deeply in favor of the 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 left agenda so you know the takeaway i would say for um your listeners is 
engage. You know, like I said, you don't you don't have to be a shareholder proponent. You don't have to be a you don't have to own thousands of dollars of stock in Apple or you know a big bank, Bank of America or J.P. Morgan. You can own one share, a couple shares. That gives you the right to engage with investor relations. Every company has an investor relations page, and you can write reports and say, we support National Legal and Policy Center's proposal. We support National Center for Public Policy Research proposal. We oppose uh, As You So's proposal. We oppose Sierra Club's proposal. And more voices coming to the to the game, and the more these investor relations uh, liaisons hear from people, you know, they're gonna they'll go back to their boards and they'll say, "Hey, this is what we're hearing. We're hearing more of this." You know, a lot of conservatives say, "Oh, they wash their hands of it and they say, I just won't have anything,' and I'm just gonna boycott." And I don't begrudge them that. You know, do what your conscience tells you to. But you know, these alt- not a lot of these alternatives are really taking off to for, uh, you know. The iPhone doesn't have a real, or or the Android doesn't have a great alternative for <laughs> conservatives to use. They they basically own the apps, they own the the turf, and uh, so I I you know we choose to engage and uh, try to shift and and it's going to be a long slog, but uh, you know we would encourage uh, you know your listeners to join us. You know, throw a few bucks into a couple stocks and and uh, have your voice heard. Yeah, it's not just engaging through their websites. You can show up at the meetings once you're a stockholder and have your say. That's right. That's right. And, and all these stockholder meetings, are almost all of them are virtual. You can phone in and ask a question, challenge the CEO. It's, it's you know, I'm only, I'm only attending two meetings in person this year because that's all there is, uh, Goldman Sachs and Verizon. Everything go. else I'm doing by phone. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. We'll have to have you back to discuss the after- aftermath, uh, perhaps a bloodbath of the corporate annual <laughs> season. I want to thank you for coming on the show on behalf of myself and our listeners. Uh, I, was glad, I was glad to do it. I hope we talk to you again soon. Listeners, thanks for checking on us today. Please check Heartland's website as we follow the work of Paul Chesser, Director of the Corporate Integrity Project for the National Legal and Policy Center and the other fine scholars at the NLPC. Please also continue to follow us as we track the progress of energy and environmental laws and regulations that affect you. Also, if you're not already receiving these podcasts, download on your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. Thanks. Take care. Bye. 